Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. And even though court in the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case has been dark all week, it has not stopped the internet from discussing this case. Oh my, so much has happened. So today I'm going to be looking at what we should see in the next two weeks of this case as it wraps towards or speeds towards its wrap in week six, where it will be done. The judge made it very clear at the end of week four that this case is going to go to the jury before Memorial Day. So she is extending court time so that it will be longer court days by an hour and said closing arguments are going to be May 27th. And that is it. It is going to the jury that day. She also made clear that the attorneys only have a certain amount of time left, and we'll get into that in the episode, and that she DGAF if they are not done their witness. Like, if you're in the middle of a witness, I will cut you off. Each side had the amount of time, you know, I think it was 61 hours of court time to do all of their witness and cross-examinations. And once they are done, the clock is run, they are done. And then they will have their allotted time for closing arguments. And that is it. This case is going to the jury, well, probably on the 31st because the 30th is a holiday and I imagine court is closed, but who knows? Different jurisdictions do different things. I'm also going to look at some of the things we've missed while we've been covering this case, or at least haven't talked about much. Just really quick, a roundup at the end of this episode of some of the other cases that we've been tracking and what I expect to see from them as we circle back to those in early June, because we have some other things, well, hurtling toward big milestones that we need to talk about. So without further ado, we should just get into it because we really do have a lot to talk about. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. And for those of you that just can't get enough of this or other coverage, I will remind you that we do have a Law Nerd community over at LawNerdsUnite.com. That's right. LawNerdsUnite.com is where our community lives on Patreon. For just $3 a month, you get access to the members only podcast, I Have Thoughts, which is exactly that. It's when Emily has thoughts and it's my thoughts, opinions, my thinking process, how I'm breaking down these cases and answering your other questions that don't necessarily fit into this content and our members only live streams over on YouTube, which are a ton of fun. Plus you get access to all of the back catalog of the podcast and the members only live streams for just $3 a month to start. So if you want to check that out and would like even more content from me, lawnardsunite.com is where to find that. Thank you for checking it out and be sure to say hello when you join the community. Let's get into the rest of this episode. Well, this week's been really busy on the internet. Even though the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case has been dark all week, the judge was at a conference, no court for you. I know some of you were like, oh my God, what do I do with my life? I'm so invested in this case. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether this week will help or hurt Amber Heard. What I've seen on the internet is that her PR team has been working overtime while court is dark. And we've seen a lot of articles, opinions, and think pieces about 
you know, the dangers perhaps of not believing Amber Heard or at least questioning her testimony and the memification of this trial. And it's interesting to see because some of the articles don't, for me, read like people are watching what's happening in court because the internet, the internet worldwide is watching this case in court and listening to content on it. You guys have proven that to me um, time and time again, because what I'm seeing is this podcast, number one on iTunes in entertainment news in the US, in Canada, in Ireland, and charting top five in Great Britain, in Sweden, in the Netherlands, in South Africa. I in Portugal, I have seen y'all charting this podcast internationally and not just in entertainment news, but also in the news category. And I've seen it doing really well in news, um, even in the US where the news category is very full of podcasts that are not independent, that are backed by traditional media or by iHeartRadio and other podcasting outlets. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Ours just isn't top 40 in news this last week on iTunes. So I know that there's interest here internationally because I'm seeing it and the internet seeing it. And we're, I mean, we're seeing it on YouTube. If you're, if you're coming over and joining, watching on YouTube, you'll see it with how many people are in the live stream talking about this case, but it's very interesting to watch the more traditional or mainstream media headlines not match what I'm seeing in court, though they bring up a very valid question that's worthy of conversation. It's worth having a conversation about um, withholding judgment of anyone until we get to the end of this court case. Amber Heard is definitely at a disadvantage because Johnny Depp's case has been completed now, except for his rebuttal, and her case is still in the middle. And there's been a week for people to parse through her testimony versus other testimony that's available on the internet, which is a very strange place to be in that we do not see in most cases. We have statements from the UK case that she has made. There's video deposition testimony of hers available for the public to watch and parse through vis-a-vis uh, -vis her testimony in court this time that has been streamed that people can just go back through and replay and watch. So she is being fact-checked by the internet. I mean, and memed. I don't have a problem with memeing the lawyers and objecting to themselves. And, you know, you don't know if it's my cat doing the Google search or calling Amber Heard to the stand by the wrong name by her female lead counsel, Elaine. But the replaying of her um, testimony talking about the abuse that she's alleging by children um, is a little hard for me to watch. But again, no one says the internet has to be nice. That's kind of the point of free speech. Free speech is easier to defend when it's speech you like and harder to defend when it's stuff that you're like, ooh, that's, I don't like that at all. But it's a conversation for what cases can look like in the public eye going forward. But again, we've heard a lot of testimony from Johnny Depp that was not flattering, text messages that weren't flattering, but it felt like his side of the story I mean, rang fairly true. He accepted the things that weren't flattering and explained the things that were. Amber Heard's testimony has been very different to watch. I have seen things from her on the stand that I've never seen someone testifying do. It has been very 
over the top. And though there were parts that I felt were very true, uh, there are parts that I have struggled to believe. And I know the rest of the internet is there too, because I'm seeing the comments and the conversations that we're all having about it. And I think trying to shut down that conversation with headlines like, you know, believe all women but Amber Heard, and that's a bad thing, is maybe not fair to what's happening in court because we're seeing the court process play out and having a conversation when you want to say believe victims, which again, when people tell you their story, listen. But when there are real questions pointed out in court, when there are real questions about what the, you know, what the reported allegations are in any case and what we're seeing bear out in evidence, when you're watching that disconnect in real time, some of the articles and headlines can feel almost disingenuous. Are you watching the same thing we're watching? And this is why public trials are a good thing. And we've seen this in some of the more politicized trials like the Rittenhouse case. And because this case is dealing with celebrity and pop culture, the interest in the conversation has been not just intent, but a little bit different than other trials. But also we're still seeing some of that disconnect in media headlines versus what's happening in the courtroom. And I suspect as we get into the last two weeks of this trial, I think that might increase. I don't know if that will shift. It's interesting watching what happened during the week break with the headlines, and it feels like PR teams are working overtime. This case is more like a celebrity-driven case, like the Britney Spears conservatorship. But in that case, we had so much you know, less information because there was no access to the courtroom. There was no information coming out except what was in court filings, and then maybe statements made to the press, and that one one court hearing where we got audio that was so incredibly powerful. But what I really appreciate about this case is we're seeing this almost decentralization of the conversation. We're having these conversations on YouTube. Lawyers from all different backgrounds are having this conversation, not just before and after the trial, but during with live coverage like mine over on YouTube. And it's really been interesting to watch how those takes on it are more nuanced versus the headlines that feel almost disconnected at this point from what we're seeing in evidence. And that's been really interesting to watch. I can't wait to hear what you've noticed about that. We should talk about what to expect over the next two weeks. Of course, when court resumes on Monday, we have Amber Heard still on direct examination, and then we will get to cross that might take a day, maybe a day and a half. And then we should be getting into, well, redirect, and then the rest of Amber Heard's witnesses over, I think, the rest of the week for this trial. So through Thursday. And then the final week of trial, we should be getting into Amber Heard resting her case, Johnny Depp's rebuttal witnesses. I imagine there won't be that many. And then jury instructions and closing arguments. The things that Amber Heard's counsel talked a lot about in opening statement, not just how Amber Heard was going to show or talk about how she used makeup to cover up bruises, but also Uh, that we're going to hear from a damages expert about the damages to Amber Heard's reputation, that we're going to hear from a makeup artist and some of these other witnesses. And there's also been rumblings that they might call Johnny Depp back to the stand, which they can do, but only to go to the counterclaims. Again, Amber Heard is suing Johnny Depp for $100 million for things his attorney said and through an agency theory. And we will see how that's presented. But Amber Heard has to still prove her counterclaims and bring in evidence that she's been damaged to support that $100 million 
claim. So we will see or likely see witnesses that go to that. I'll be very interested to see when they put in those witnesses, a damages expert, a makeup expert, um, any of her friends that testify, if her sister testifies, those uh, types of witnesses are something I will really be looking for as we get into the rest of the week for trial week five. And before we talk about jury instructions today, I think it's in important to talk about how the jury can and might deliberate. The jury will be given instructions that we're going to get to in just a moment about how to evaluate testimony, how to go about doing their job, how to deliberate. And this case boils down to a, who do you believe? Johnny Depp or Amber Heard. But it's also reasonable that the jury goes, okay, outside of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, what else do we have? What photos, medical records, other witness testimony, expert witness testimony, what other witnesses did we believe or what witnesses did we believe most and then start their deliberations from there? Or they can go in a very linear fashion. Let's start with day one and go through it. Or they can say, hey, we've got all this audio in and in court, they're only playing these snippets of these audio recordings, but the jury's going to have all of that audio. So, hey, let's listen to all the audio. Let's watch all the video. Let's look at all the photos. Let's look at all the evidence that we've been given that's not testimonial and then start our deliberations from there. So it is possible that the jury goes backwards. Like what is all the other evidence and then whose story aligns with the evidence that's presented and that could be how they come to their decision because it takes the he said, she said out of it when you look to everything else. I think that's why we're seeing Amber Heard's team talk so much about the fact that these are all yes people as regarded as to Johnny Depp. These are all his employees, his yes men. And that has become a central theme. The other theme for from Heard's team towards Depp is that you know, Johnny Depp was either intoxicated or under the influence of drugs or medication. So his memory is not good. Don't believe him almost. Um, don't believe him. He can't remember. Believe me. And so they've really been trying to discount Depp's own memory in this trial. And we will see how much more we get into that as Amber Heard starts presenting her witnesses. At the end of the day, this is a defamation case. And once it gets to the jury, that's the question they're going to have to decide, but the jury instructions will be very helpful. What I am most curious to see is whether or not there is any type of limiting jury instruction or instructive, um, instructive jury instruction or any kind of jury instruction addressing any potential discovery violations about whether or not that digital evidence was turned over. We've seen the motion for sanctions. We know that Depp's team is alleging that Heard's team did not make available all of the evidence that was ordered by the court in that November ruling. And I want to see if that is addressed in the jury instructions. So they will give us a lot of information. And though I know it can be a more boring part of trial, listening to the judge read out all these instructions, I will be riveted. I want to see what instructions are given, what is not, and if that instruction is there that allows the jury to draw a negative inference from things that were not turned over, meaning they can kind of punish one side and saying, hey, uh, what's up with that? Yo, you didn't turn over your evidence. That's a problem. And allowing the jury to draw that negative inference. So I will be very interested in getting into these jury instructions. Speaking of jury instructions, we should just get to them now. I know it's that time of year when the end of the year gets super crazy. The amount of things I have messed up on my calendar lately is 
embarrassing and causes me actually quite a lot of stress. But one thing that I am not willing to be stressed about is what we are eating for dinner. And our sponsor for the Emily show today, Green Chef, makes that so much easier. You can get $130 off of your order plus free shipping. Why Green Chef? Well, Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company, and they make eating well easy with plans literally to fit every lifestyle and to avoid pesky allergies like mine to tomatoes, which is so annoying. And a lot of meal kits can't work around that, but not Green Chef. Whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking for balanced meals that are quick and easy and delicious, Green Chef has a range of options for you and everything comes to your door. It's not just convenient, but it's easy. The bags are color-coded to the recipes so you know what you're making. My kids enjoy helping out with it because it's all ready to go for you. It is sustainable, and there is a great variety. Green Chef offers 24 always-changing recipes to choose from every week, so you will never get bored, unless you are me, who is very basic and likes to eat the same thing every week. I do. It just, it's so much easier, but Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit and offsets hundred percent of the carbon footprint of sending out these meals. So Green Chef is your number one meal kit for eating well. I know you're ready to try it. You're like, Emily, summer is coming. I want to get my healthy meals on. I don't want to be stressed running all over the place. We are getting back to kids being super busy and life being super busy and dinner shouldn't be sacrificed. Trust me, I've done that way too many times. Sometimes cereal is dinner, but if you're ready to up-level, Green Chef has got you. Go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker130 and use code emilybaker130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. That's right, $130 off plus free shipping at greenchef.com slash emilybaker130 and use code emilybaker130. So, Why don't you find out why I love Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well? We should get back to today's topic. Credibility of witnesses. This is where the cross-examination of Depp's team should focus with regard to Amber Heard towards knowing that this instruction is what the jury is going to be told before they go to deliberate. And I'm just going to read it from instruction 2.020. You are the judges of the facts the credibility of the witnesses, and the weight of the evidence. You may consider the appearance and manner of the witness on the stand, their intelligence, which is not in the instruction in California, which was interesting to me that your intellect comes into play in Virginia. Virginia is like, look, consider it all, mention it all. It then goes on to say their opportunity for knowing the truth and for having observed the things about which they testified, their interest in the outcome of the case, their bias, and if any have been shown, their prior inconsistent statements, or whether they have knowingly testified untruthfully as to any material fact in the case. You may not arbitrarily disregard believable testimony of a witness. However, after you have considered all the evidence in the case, then you may accept or discard all or part of the testimony of a witness 
as you think proper. And again, this is why I think this jury will take some time to deliberate. You must consider all the evidence in this case. And in a six-week case, there's a lot of evidence and there's a lot of audio that it has been admitted into evidence that the jury hasn't listened to the whole thing. Clips of it have been presented in court, but the jury will have the full audio and they are going to want, I'm sure, to listen to all those audio recordings, which will probably take them a day to go through in their deliberation room or a day of deliberation, um, at least. You are entitled to use your common sense in judging any testimony it goes on and then says, from these things and all other circumstances of the case, you may determine which witnesses are more believable and weigh their testimony accordingly. So that, again, the jury is the finder of fact. They determine what the facts are. They determine what side is true. And in this case, it matters so much because at the heart, this is a defamation case. Did Johnny Depp defame Amber Heard? Did Amber Heard defame Johnny Depp? And because it's a defamation case, the thing we need to look at next is the defamation jury instruction. And what I will say, there are several options for this jury instruction. We are going to look at the underlying jury instruction 37.00, which is public figure defamation per se. And in this case, we know Johnny Depp is a public figure. So there's that extra standard malice. And we'll talk about what that means in this jury instruction. And Johnny Depp's team is arguing defamation per se. Defamation per se means you don't have to prove damages, that the thing that's being said is of the nature that it would necessarily harm your reputation. And depending on the jurisdiction, that can be things like communicable illnesses, accusing someone of a crime, accusing someone of dishonesty in their work and things like that. So different jurisdictions explain it. But in this case, um, the headline particularly of the article alleges sexual violence, clearly allegations of a crime, and it alleges domestic abuse, also allegations of a crime. So there's room to argue defamation per se here, even though Johnny Depp's team has gone to argue damages in this case. And we saw that witness testimony in week four, but they are probably going to rely partly on this defamation per se jury instruction if the court chooses to give it to them. So instruction 37, liability, public figure, defamation per se, your verdict must be based on facts as you find them and on the law contained in all these instructions. The issue in this case are, did the defendant make the following statement? And then it'll include the statements that are being alleged. In this case, there are multiple statements. So it'll include those multiple statements. Did the defendant make it? We know that Amber Heard wrote the article. We've heard it from the ACLU and from Amber Heard. Is the statement about the plaintiff in this case there is still argument about whether these statements are about Johnny Depp because this is defamation by implication. His name is not said, but we have that ACLU testimony going through how much they refer to Johnny Depp, how careful they need to be about re uh, referring to Johnny Depp, how much impact the article has with references to Depp or not, and how closely they need to walk that line. So even without Amber Heard or Depp's testimony, the ACLU testimony goes a long way about how this article was created and how many iterations it went through with more information about Depp versus less information about Depp. And we heard Depp's attorney, Ben Chu, argue in the motion to dismiss that if this article hadn't referenced Depp, it would be in the back page of a teen Vogue because no one would be interested. And the ACLU testimony, not quite on the nose to that, but seems to line up with that argument. We'll see what the jury thinks when it comes to 
is the statement about plaintiff. Next, the jury has to decide was the statement heard or seen by someone other than the plaintiff. Um, washing, it was in the Washington Post. Oh, and she tweeted it, all the things. Is the statement false? The jury has to decide. Is the statement false? And that's where you look at the headline statements about sexual violence and the statements about domestic abuse. And the attorneys in closing are likely going to argue over what those things mean. Amber Heard, of course, arguing that the statements are true and everything she said is true. And even if it wasn't true, it doesn't, it's not about Depp. And Depp arguing it's clearly about him. It's clearly false. Therefore, it's defamatory. The next element is, did the defendant make the statement knowing it to be false or did the defendant make it so recklessly as to amount to a willful disregard for the truth? That is with a high degree of awareness that the statement was probably false. And that is that elevated um, recklessness that you get in public figure defamation, which is why it can be harder for public figures to sue for defamation because you have to prove that willful disregard. Now, in this case, they're arguing Amber Heard knows if she was a victim of these things or not. Therefore, if we can prove that she's lying from Depp's camp, then you can say to the jury, look, she knows this didn't happen to her. The photos aren't even true. And these are the things they're going to argue. The lengths she went to, they will say, to continue on down the road of this lie where Amber Heard's team is going to say, look, she knew what happened to her and what she's saying is the truth. And with that, you're going to get arguing over that willful disregard for the truth element. But in other celebrity cases, it's very hard to prove if somebody knows a statement they make about a celebrity is false or not. That can be very difficult to prove, which is why the Cardi B Tasha K defamation case was so interesting to follow. The final element here is if the plaintiff is entitled to recover, what amount of plaintiff's damages? And then the jury gets to just pick a number. I mean, they have to have basis for that number, but they get to decide. Other issues, the plaintiff has the burden of proof. Your decision on these issues, the plaintiff has the burden of proof. Your decision on these issues must be governed by the instructions that follow. And then it tells them how to decide this even more um, in the other jury instructions. If the court determines that this is not defamation per se, or for some reason doesn't give the defamation per se argument, then Depp's team will also have an instruction saying that they must have proven that there was damage and going into the proof of the damages, which we saw numerous witnesses on during week four. And with that, issues going on outside of court is now we are seeing numerous reports um, from a variety of publications that Australia is still investigating Amber Heard for perjury um, regarding the animals coming to Australia when she went to see Johnny Depp before that Australia incident that has been kind of the, the one of the larger incidents to be discussed in this trial. So now we are seeing multiple reports again that Amber Heard lied on forms coming into the country and bringing animals into the country, the uh, dogs, pistol and boo, the what teacup Yorkies, apparently, as um, as Depp said. At the time this happened back in 2015, Amber Heard was uh, prosecuted, if that's the right word for them going after her in Australia for this, but they did go after her for bringing the dogs in without declaring them. And she was brought into court over it and did go into court with the Australian authorities, but was um, not convicted of the larger charge with bringing in like illegal goods, but then was convicted or agreed 
to plea for uh, the lesser of making a false statement on her immigration card. So it was reported back in 2021 that the Australian authorities were looking into this again to see if she had committed perjury um, in the course of dealing with this case, not just in lying on the immigration card, bringing the dogs into the country. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Her attorneys said that this was absolutely inconceivable, that the, it is not true, that the Australian government is not looking into this again. But we will see what happens. Again, I've seen this reported numerous times that they're looking into it. It seems fairly old in 2022 to open this up again over something that happened in 2015. But if they're seeing evidence that she lied in the course of dealing with this case or settling this case, maybe they are. So those are the reports. And there are other things going on outside of court as well. But this is the biggest one I've seen. Even if Australia does choose to continue to go after Amber Heard, even if they find uh, that she made false statements to them or perjured them, it's not going to impact this case in Virginia, and it's not going to impact the UK Sun case. The UK Sun case is done, even though the judge seemed to give some credibility um, to or gave a lot of credibility to the fact that Amber Heard had no monetary interest and said she had donated all of these funds. When it came up that the money had not been donated, the $7 million from the divorce, the judge still didn't grant an appeal to rehear the evidence. And the issue of her lying about the dogs coming into Australia was really discounted and downplayed by the judge in the UK case. So whatever happens there, if anything, and again, these are just reports, these are allegations, but if anything comes of that, it's not going to impact these other cases. I get asked about it a lot, so I wanted to make that clear. We should get on to other cases, speaking of other cases. With regard to reality television person, Josh Duggar from the 19 Kids and Counting show on TLC that had followed the Duggars. If you haven't been following this case much, I'm just going to give a very, very brief synopsis. He was convicted in December of illicit images of children and that we don't need to go into that anymore. He is going to be sentenced on May 25th in uh, Arkansas. The prosecution in that case, this is a federal case, so the AUSAs are asking for the maximum potential sentence of 20 years. This case has a minimum potential sentence of five years. The court will likely not give him the maximum potential sentence. I very rarely see federal courts give someone the maximum potential sentence on their first conviction. There are other prior bad acts that the court can consider. His criminality scale got set fairly high at a 45 based on other things in his past, based on the type of images that he had, et cetera. If you want a full breakdown on that, I did it over on my YouTube channel, but that sentencing is coming up on the 25th. I still think we're in that eight year range, eight to 12 um, on this sentencing, but the minimum potential sentence is five years. And that's what the defense is asking for. They're asking for that statutory minimum, that bylaw minimum of five years, and then have him out on supervised release. We will see what the court chooses to do. I think the most interesting thing for me to look at is whether anyone comes in and makes statements um, of impact statements, whether any of his uh, family members, they've a lot of them have submitted letters in court. But if anybody comes to speak 
or really a victim impact statement or an impact statement to the court saying, this is why we believe he should get more of a sentence because we've already seen the evidence in mitigation and the letters from his wife and his family saying that this sentence should be uh, the minimum potential sentence that five years. I don't think this is a case where he will just get the minimum of five years, which is why, again, I think that eight to 12 year range is probably where the court will fall. But you never know. We can be surprised by a federal judge. I'd rather be surprised than disappointed, wouldn't you? So that is happening on May 25th. I will be trying to follow along with news reporting that day while we are streaming the Depp and Heard case. Also set in federal court on May 25th is a status update for the Jen Shaw case. And I'm hoping that on that day, we will see if she really is going to trial in early July um, on her fraud, well, wire fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering case. Jen Shaw is a real housewife of Salt Lake City. Bravo is still filming that franchise with Jen Shaw right now. So it'll be very interesting to see if this is ramping up for trial in July. Uh, BravoCon is going to be in October. I don't think, I think it'll be done. I think this trial will be done by October, but who knows? It's been put over once. It could be put over again. All of the other co-defendants have pled guilty in this case. Jen Shaw is going to be sitting by herself with her attorneys at the defense table when this does go to trial, unless she's changing her plea, which I can't really imagine happening at this point. I think this case is going to trial. She just recently lost a motion or a subpoena uh, motions over subpoenas that she had sent to ABC over their documentary, the housewife and the Shaw shocker. She um, wanted all of the all with regard to the ABC special emails, unaired footage, communications. It was so broad. And the court was like, no, A, no, you didn't meet your standard. B, journalistic privilege. And C, just nope, goodbye. There are a few motions that are still pending in that case that I'm going to be covering, but I will probably do those on social media quickly because um, we've got two more, we've got two more weeks of debt be heard. And finally, the Kardashian Black China case, that defamation case, uh, the jury deliberated for just about 10 hours and came back with Black China losing the defamation case on all counts. So finding that none of the Kardashian sisters had defamed her. The Kardashians were not present in court for the reading of the verdict because they were at the Met Gala. And it's reported by those that were in the courtroom that the attorney said they're at something or they're at some like event and didn't say, oh, they're at the Met Gala, which I thought was kind of, that's so lawyerly to be like, I don't, your honor, they're not going to be here. They're at a thing in New York. It's apparently a big deal. I, I kind of live for that. Um, it's like, oh, sweet summer child. It's not just something. It's the Met Gala. But whatevs, they weren't in court for the verdict being read. And that's the end of that lawsuit. They went to trial. There were no cameras in the courtroom. The trial took just a little over a week. And it was fairly quick. We also have lots more that's happening in the Girardi case. I covered that over on YouTube um, last week, and I will link that down below. During, during the dark week, I took some time to look at what the state bar is doing, and the state bar is going to be turning over parts of their investigation to the bankruptcy trustee in that case. And we learned from recent filings that the bankruptcy trustee who has appointed special prosecutor or a special litigator, special prosecutor, it's a bankruptcy, Emily, a special litigator in that case to look into Erica Girardi with regard to the law firm side is also going to be looking into, looking into some of the legal lenders who continued to prop up Girardi Keese 
as it was going under and seeing what, if any, role the legal lenders had or what, if any, funds the legal lenders got as almost priority payments that they shouldn't have been receiving and whether any of those funds can be clawed back into the law firm and then distributed out to other creditors, hopefully including the victims who are his clients. So we will see. And all of that is going to be coming back up to the tops of everybody's mind as The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has just started airing again. And in episode one, we see Erica Girardi saying all of that's been disproven and then snapping at whoever's asking her the questions, likely a producer saying, let Bravo do its due diligence. No, no. I have not seen anything be disproven yet. Her attorneys have said that she did not directly receive funds. Her attorneys have said she didn't get $25 million or what have you into the bank account of her LLC. However, that is literally true. It doesn't seem yet that they have proven direct transfers of funds into Erica's LLC. These were in-kind payments from the law firm of Tom Girardi to the American Express bill that Erica's company was using. So did money literally go into her bank accounts? No. Did her company benefit from the law firm paying off all of its debts? Yes. So is that a distinction without a difference for you? Or is Erica like, that's all been disproven? And you're like, well, yeah. I want to know what you think. Because we're going to be back to talking about Erica and the Girardis, but we are so deeply invested in Depvi's herd that that's what we're going to be covering. And I really am hoping, let's all just cross our little fingers, that this jury does not come back before I am back from vacation because I will be um, away with the family on vacation, sometimes out of the availability of cell and Wi-Fi service for the week of Memorial Day. So. Let's just, when I say I'm hoping this jury's taken three to six days, let's just fingers crossed that they come back early June where I am sitting my hot little butt in my chair waiting to talk to you about it. I mean, if they come back sooner, we'll figure it out. But with that, um, let's gear up, you guys. We, when this airs, we're going to be in the middle of week five. I'm going to be keeping you posted on social media at the end of each day and streaming it live on YouTube at the Emily D. Baker everywhere. So come join me. Let me know the podcast sent you. And with that, it is time to say bye. So may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your gas not be $7 a gallon. May your family be well. May your summer kick off beautifully. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. And I will talk to you in the next one. <laughs> 